0: Welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. This podcast is hosted by sisters, surviving in this crazy world and just trying to keep a sense of
1: humor along the way. Listen to three witty women who grew up in the same house, share their ideas, inspirations, and experiences.
2: The Sisters of the Apocalypse will share the ups, downs, and everything in between when it comes to life as a millennial woman in today's world relatable and enjoyable until the very end.
0: Hello, and thank you for joining us on Sisters of the Apocalypse tonight. We all have very different kind of perspectives on work from home, and that's one of the things we've talked about many, many times over the years. So right now, we are pretty much on the opposite ends of the spectrum where both Liz and Jennifer work from home primarily. And I go into my office pretty much every day. So we just thought that was interesting how we all have such a different preference for it and kind of how we've made it work for us. So we thought it'd be fun to talk about this. And so many people right now are kind of in that, in that phase where it's in between some sort of hybrid work. Liz, why don't you tell us like a little bit about at what point or how did you start working from home instead of working in the office?
1: So I have always been a big advocate for work from home, and I knew that that was a good fit for me probably back in like 2017. So at my employer at the time, I remember maybe once or twice a year, I would put together a presentation of all the reasons why they should let me work from home. And pretty much every time I asked, they would say, that's great, thanks for doing the research, but we just don't really do that at this organization. And so I wasn't allowed to. Then fast forward to 2020 when the world changed and COVID happened and my company all went fully remote. So I have been in some form of remote or hybrid since COVID. However, I really knew that it was something that I wanted for myself long-term in my career. And for me, one of the blessings that came from COVID was to kind of force corporations and different businesses to adjust. And depending on your role and your job, I do believe you can do work from home or work from anywhere. I recognize it is not a fit for every person. I recognize it is not a fit for every job out there. But yeah, for me, it's something that I love and I'm really thankful for. So my current role, I am technically a hybrid worker, but I really don't go into the office often, maybe once a month. And I really like it that way. What about you, Jennifer? So I am a
2: recent work from home believer and i am currently working full-time and am fully remote so this is a bit new for me i have previously been in person and then went hybrid during covid and then now have transitioned to a fully remote role with a team that is also fully remote which has been very very fun and really interesting learning how they onboard and learning how to get to know each other um while still being fully remote and for me it's been a really good fit i like being able to kind of control my environment i like being able to have a little bit more autonomy over my schedule or what my day looks like but i definitely have had my struggles adjusting and so um i really have to make it a priority for myself to get out of the house go to the gym make sure I do errands or go work in a public space. So that works really well for me, but I am a remote work believer as well.
1: So Christine, I know you mentioned that you pretty much go into the office every day, but what did you think when COVID was going on? Were you still going into the office? Were you working from home? How did you like that? And how did you make it work for you? Yeah. Well, I had
0: had the ability to work remotely, you know, the technology set up to do that. It wasn't something I did often pre COVID. And then, you know, when we, when we went into quarantine, everyone got sent home and I very naively thought we were going to be gone for two weeks. I remember like grabbing my, my help, my little plant in my office and saying like, okay, well, I'll see you guys in like probably like two weeks or so. And uh, that was certainly not the case. I had a really, really hard time adjusting to work from home. And I feel like it took me months to get into a routine where I felt like I could get things done. And I wasn't just like super depressed about just being, feeling really isolated and not having my routine or the things about my job that I really loved, which is like a lot of the camaraderie and the team interactions and it's funny because it's like, if I think about it taking about six months for me to adjust to working from home, when I went back to the office, I felt like the the same feeling, but now about working at the office. And it took me about six months to adjust to going back to the office, maybe even longer. It just was so hard for me to switch kind of my routine over. It was just a struggle. And so kind of from that too, I've just really leaned into being full full time in the office Um, I think I really need that routine and that pattern. So there's no question or no uncertainty of like how it's going to go. That seemed to have worked well. That's kind of the policy we have for our team that people can work from home. Um, But it's a kind of a preset day. It's not just um, on a whenever, you know, whenever the need arises and, you know, obviously we're flexible, but, you know, no one's telling me, oh, hey, I'm just going to work from home today. You know, I'm not feeling like driving in, you know. That might be fine. I, I just think the the maybe for me and for just like the businesses, the business and the, the routine and the consistency seems really important.
1: So I've got a couple comments about this. First, thinking about the back and forth when we were trying to adjust from fully remote during COVID to back in the office and some hybrid of back and forth, I also remember that being super challenging. I think there were a lot of mixed feelings at that time from people who were happy to be back in the office, people who were happy to be out of their houses or maybe away from their kids, which was a really big challenge when families were all trying to work from home and kids were trying to do school from home. And so just trying to get back out into the professional in a professional setting. Some people loved and some people were afraid to come back to the workplace because of COVID and the germs associated with it. And so I remember that being a really emotional time for myself and for coworkers because everybody's situation is different. You don't know who's in their home, who they're taking care of, Care of. sorry, I digress. But to get back to the part of how difficult it was to go back into the office, for me, I remember that, When we did go back into the office, you didn't have your own desk. So we did hoteling desks, which I think also became more common as companies downsized and such during COVID. So instead of me having a desk that I go and sit at when I'm in the office, I have to use a software to basically just find an open spot and then reserve the desk for the day. For me, that was a really negative experience because you weren't necessarily sitting with your team or around people you knew, people that you collaborated with. You, sometimes you were just in a random desk in whatever area of the office happened to be open that day. So for me, if the big draw for companies to say, let's come back in, let's get together, let's collaborate, let's do you know team building, but then you're not necessarily sitting around anybody that you work closely with. For me, it really defeated that purpose. And I will also say that, It was quite comical because I remember sitting at a desk in the office and there was a group of three people just having a conversation nearby and I could not focus like with them talking nearby. I was like, oh my gosh, like how did I used to do this eight hours a day every day with people walking by people coming up and interrupting you stuff going on. And I think basically my ability to deflect distractions Went way down when I was at home during COVID. I didn't have those kind of distractions, and I almost feel like I lost my ability to focus in a setting where there are a lot of distractions going on.
2: <laughs> I had very similar react a very similar reaction when we were authorized to go back to the office mid COVID, because the directions that we received were stay in your office with the door closed, and it kind of felt like it defeated the purpose of commuting in and taking this, even just taking these risks. So for me, yeah, I I felt very similarly in, I'm not sure this is the best use of my time. Now I'm sitting in the office and I'm still attending all my meetings on Zoom. But in contrast, now working with a team that is fully remote, it's been really interesting seeing how they prioritize team bonding by, Establishing multiple times a year where the entire team gets together, that's a priority for everybody is that we're all going to be together in person. And even just as I'm getting to know everybody, from what I've witnessed, they actually talk to each other very casually all the time, whether that's through IMing or through video messaging and chatting. That's, it doesn't feel like a forced thing of, Okay, you know, every every week you should have 15 minutes where you, you know, talk to someone that you haven't met or talk to someone that you don't know that well. It's not set up like that. It's set up very much in everyone does their work, everyone's very driven with what they have to do. They also feel the need to connect. And so everyone kind of makes like goes that extra mile to really prioritize that.
1: I love that culture because that can't be taught. That is something that is inherent in a group of people. And also just leaders have to really buy into that and lead by example for that that sort of culture to thrive. So I love that. I will also say, Jenny, that I think there is a big bonus for you for the fact that your team is fully remote. Because at my previous job, it was difficult to have five people in a room together and then one or two on zoom. And that is, that is kind of the day and age and the, you know, one of the challenges of work that we have, but I will say it is tough. So having a team that's fully remote, I think is great. And in my current role, even though I'm a hybrid worker, people will go into the office and then take zoom calls from their office. And so, so yeah, it's, it's really a remote atmosphere and way of working even though we have brick and mortar office spaces. And so I think that that's good for me because I don't feel like I'm missing out on connections or discussions around the water cooler because we similarly have chats. You know, you can reach out to people. We, I think, have a pretty casual culture where we also have kind of a nice catch up at the beginning of meetings just to say, how are you doing? What's new? And so for me, it's a good fit. I enjoy it. (laughs) That's what I'll say.
0: That's nice. It's so nice to hear from both of you what you like about it and what's working well for you. I was thinking a little bit about Liz, what you were talking about, how you were hoteling in your space. And I can see like both from the business's perspective, how that feels practical, but it just really takes away that feeling of um, like you're welcome. You belong there and that you're comfortable there. It's like, how can you ask your employees to feel ownership over their projects or their tasks if they don't even have ownership over any space that belongs to them? Um, I've heard that from other people too, is that that is a definite, they don't mind being in the office. They don't like not having a designated space that is theirs, which is tough.
1: Part of the adjustment that was hard for me is that I used to have a desk, And even though I'm at the same organization with the same job, I no longer have a desk. And I had snacks, I had folders, I had pictures, I decorated my space for holidays. I was somebody who really leaned into my space and making it comfortable for me, even when it was a cubicle. And so, yeah, it does make it a little bit less appealing to go in and not have that. But I know that there's also a big... Move towards open concept collaborative spaces. I have seen it where there's just, you know, long tables where you sit and work and you collaborate with people. So every organization does it differently. It works well for different people. Also, different generations have different preferences.
0: That is so true. And it can be so generationally driven, but I've seen kind of this almost like full circle of this, because I think, you know, maybe five or six years ago, our office did a remodel. This was pre-COVID and they arranged quite a few cubicles in like a small group in like a pod. Great, which was great, but not a lot of base between them. Not the privacy dividers were very low. And that was very cool in the sense that you could see people interacting and problem solving together. Also, there's lots of just like casual conversations during the day, which is great for bonding. But we've also had problems with the noise level because when people are on a phone call it and there's five other people also right there with no barriers, it, it can get quite loud. And so I feel like almost we've gone like the other direction and people now, at least the people I work with, really appreciate a little more privacy, a little more space and that like ownership of their cube. So it's just interesting how things ebb and flow. I I think personally, I love having a door that I can close, even sometimes just to like mentally get away from, again, the hustle and bustle and focus on something that really, really helps me when I'm going through like to try to get things done.
2: I wonder what generation or what group really loved the open concept because I I feel like it's one of those things that it sounds really good on paper and everyone's on board. And then in practice turns out to be a lot harder because I think we all benefit from group spaces like conference rooms, but then we also benefit from our own cubicle or noise protection or the ability to kind of buckle down and I'm just going to grind and, you know, get this thing done and, and not have any distractions. So I really wonder, like, kind of like, where did that begin?
0: (laughs) I think it was a marketing ploy to try to get everyone to buy new furniture and redesign their offices. And now it's a marketing ploy that we're all going the other direction. Now we have to go put up sound barriers and doors.
1: A quick Google search says that the open office concept originally was designed in 1906 by Frank Lloyd Wright. And he was a very important and famous architect in the 20th century. And he said that he designed Larkin administration building and he wanted it to imitate a factory floor with one big main hall where all the work is done. The business that they originally tried it with, the administration building, was mostly for secretaries. So that's where it originated, just as an FYI.
0: The generational point that you made is really, really interesting because I think I can see that, but I, I wonder also too, as people get further along in their careers, they do appreciate a little bit more of that like privacy and ability to focus and maybe like the appeal of um, a rowdy, loud, open workspace kind of dissipates once you're into your like mid thirties, it's not quite the same. So thinking about, again, work from home, I would say what was the biggest Piece of the puzzle that helped make your workspace at home functional or comfortable? What's the thing that you're like, wow, this has really made my work from home life better or easier?
2: For me, I think that I really needed to spend some time experiencing work from home with kind of like the bare minimum. So sitting on my couch with my laptop and seeing what went well and then what wasn't going well for me and so that it became very very clear early on that i needed a dedicated workspace so i needed a desk i couldn't just use this kitchen table and then clear it off when i needed to use it for something else and then put everything back i really needed like a stand you know or a a permanent stand-in kind of space and then from that I feel like I fleshed out kind of like my technology, which was, okay, let's get rid of some cords. Let's get rid of some wires. Let's, you know, make sure that we can access our mouse. Let's talk about getting a second monitor, um, things like that. So for me, it was just really about ease of being able to to get everything done and do everything that I needed to do. And then the longer that I spent in work from home, that's when I really started to invest in I think more of the comfort items, like a really good speaker and uh, a walk pad. For me, a standing desk and a walk pad was a like my boredom buster because it was. I was struggling with the monotony of
1: the days, so I feel like my reaction. And experience was very similar, Jenny, to yours. I was living in a one-bedroom apartment when we all got sent home for COVID. And so one of the things that I found challenging was having a designated workspace because I didn't have a lot of extra space for it. And something that was a game changer for me was an ergonomically correct chair because I sat in a wooden kitchen chair for the first few months, also did the bare minimum, was working with my laptop, didn't have extra screens at home, anything like that. And I really took some time until I upgraded because one, at that point, didn't know how long we were going to actually be working from home. So I wasn't sure how I wanted to invest in a office space in my home. And secondly, stuff wasn't available. At that time, there was such a huge demand in desks, office chairs. I remember some of the most random stuff was impossible to find because it wasn't only high demand, but it was supply chain issues. And those companies are work from home and can't get things done. Or this area is shut down if it's international. And so there was a lot of roadblocks to making your work from home comfortable and effective, honestly, at that time. What did you do, Christine? I never got into the standing desk or the walk pad, but
0: I think for me was the double screens, like the two monitors and having everything set up, like permanently placed, all my wires controlled so that I can just plug things in, boom, boom, hit on the road. Of course, the other things that were really important to me was a little heater under my desk, a couple dogs in here hanging out with me, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm constantly surrounded by technology because I'm like got two phones, two laptops, you know, speakers, this, that, the other. But it's great. I mean, it worked, it worked really well. But now I can't, I feel like I can't get work done with just one laptop. I need two big screens. <laughs> I need all of the screens. I can't see any more of it. They're too everything's too little. Um yeah. A heated blanket helped, like a like a nice little heated blanket over your lap while you're working away. No, that was just me.
1: Are you working, or are you just like having a leisurely Sunday on the couch with a heated blanket and the pets?
0: That's funny. I I wasn't ever able to work from the couch. That's just I'm a. i am I usually will let, have like notes everywhere. I need like flat surfaces, but um, definitely like a cozy blanket helped helped a lot.
1: So we've all done some variation of work from home, love it or hate it. What is a recommendation that you would make to someone? who was going to be doing some work from home.
0: Do it while you have to, but then get back to the office as quick as you can. (laughs) I know, I know that's not how other people in this room, in this virtual room feel, but I just feel like you cannot replace the personal interactions that you create, seeing people face to face. And especially if it's a hybrid team. So like some people are remote, some people are in person. So Jennifer in your situation you're probably going to have a much better experience building relationships with your team but I I can see it for the people who aren't able always to be with us in person on our calls and our meetings they they call in it's just not the same um and I just think about the deep like connections I've made over the years working uh you know in an office and trying to get to know everyone that I can and I just don't know even the you know the elevator conversations that you have it's just not the same but i do love a good elevator conversation so not everyone likes that either
2: i don't miss small talk i don't like that i don't really like and i'm i feel like i'm someone that i panic if i'm put on the spot about names so all the time i don't remember people's names unless you're on my team or unless i work with you if i'm walking by you in the building i don't know your name I will also say, I think that another reason why I think I'm having a very successful time is also just the change in the scope of the company that I work for now. I'm not based in a community. I'm now based nationally. And so having an office where I meet local people, local donors, things like that doesn't make sense anymore. But if that was the case, this transition would be much more difficult and potentially impossible with like kind of how Liz said that there are just going to be certain roles where you're not going to be able to perform them 100%. You might have to look at switching to be fully remote. Um, But my piece of advice, I'm going to poke fun at Liz and say, don't lose your ability To handle distractions, I would say very early on, get comfortable with going to a coffee shop, pulling out your laptop, going to a library, pulling out your laptop. I've gone to bars and I've pulled out my laptop and I've worked at the bar and it's been great. I have, I get that little social interaction that I need and I usually go with one project in mind that I know I don't need a phone call. I don't need a video chat. I don't need to contact anybody and I can go and potentially like a writing project, I'll go and I'll complete that task. But I would say it's important for you because you don't know what the future will hold and whether or not you're going back to the office or you're gonna be in a hybrid situation. And I think it's an important social aspect.
1: That is fair, Jenny. I respect it. What's funny is as I listen to the advice you girls give, I think about one, I think that I have lost a bit of my ability to make small talk. I used to be a champion at it. And I think now I have to be a little bit more thoughtful of like, what should I be talking about? Or how do I connect with someone that maybe I don't think I have anything in common with or I'm meeting for the first time. So it takes more effort now for me. And I laughed also, Jenny, when you said you don't know people's names, because that is one thing that I excel at. When I was in the office and working, I remember at one point I worked in a factory and I knew every employee by name and there were two to 300 employees and I could greet everyone by name. But my advice for somebody working remote or just life advice, take it or leave it, take breaks, take designated breaks from work. And if you're someone like us who works on computers a lot, try to do something that does not involve a screen because we look at our TVs, our phones, and our laptops or computer screens a lot. So that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice, get outside, get some fresh air. If you need something to force you to do that, get a pet. It's a great excuse, then you have to walk it.
0: That's very funny. I like how this, I kind of thought that at some point in this conversation, we'd end up talking about how work from home equipment involved getting a pet. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I know many people who did. And uh, I think that that was kind of the way, the way it went, right? You get lonely, you need, you know, you don't have a heated blanket, get a cat. It's perfect. Um, I will say, Liz, that I really love how you just like said that you were exceptional at remembering names. I think that's so important. And I love that. I sometimes get a little frustrated how so many people tend to say, oh, I'm bad with names and just like they don't it feels like they don't even try because it's such a it's such a nice personal touch. Um, So I'm always telling people, even if you are bad at names, don't tell people that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) don't make that part of your shtick, like just practice.
1: Okay, the last piece of advice, which is kind of funny. I'll say it, is make ground rules if you have roommates or family members, because there have been times throughout COVID when I've either been visiting friends or family or vice versa. I had them visiting me and I have had to make numerous requests for them not to come into my office. And then I've had to resort to locking doors <laughs> so that I wasn't interrupted <laughs> during work.
2: Liz, is do I need to make ground rules now that we're going to be working close to each other again? we're going to be working across the hall from each other. So maybe I'll put my office
1: hours up and then I'll lock the door. (laughs) We might have to have further discussion about this. Can I schedule meetings (laughs) with you? Um, maybe
2: are they in person or are they virtual?
1: They're in person.
2: Okay. Well then, yeah, that would be good.
1: Okay. Excellent.
0: I would love to see you two zoom in a zoom meeting, but like across the hall from each other. (laughs) We've done that. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's wrap up with book club. I have a great book. I want to recommend this week. It is called None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. It's a thriller and it includes twisted family dynamics, complicated female friendships, and unreliable narrators. That's all I'll say about it. I recommend it.
2: I read a book recently while I was on a little mini road trip. And it is called The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz. And it was a thriller. And I really enjoyed it. I'm not familiar with this author. So this was a new experience. And um, she just had a really great way of building the suspense and adding in the twist. And I had no idea where this story was going. And so I really got involved reading it and, and really wanting to know what happened next. I just finished a thriller called Come to Grief by
0: Dick Francis. This was the first actual physical book I've read in a while. I had been reading so many audiobooks that it was a little bit of a change of pace to actually like take the time to sit down and physically read a book. This one I I love Dick Francis as an author. We've read many, many, many of his books probably you know keep this long term this was a 1995 book so it's funny because some of the technology conversations in it are like you know people have beepers and stuff so it's it's just very funny but the one one of the things I really liked about this book was they started right off the get-go with you knew who the villain was or you knew who had committed the crime and then you kind of got to work backwards through this private detective trying to convince everyone else of the conclusion that he had drawn about who was guilty. And um, I actually really liked it too because it wasn't like a very clear villain as far as like, oh, he's a bad guy. You had like mixed feelings about this villain where like it was a villain, but he also did some good things. And you're like, so I was having an emotional week and I finished this book. I was just crying my little eyes out (laughs) but it's quite good (laughs) Crying because it was you know powerful and meaningful not because and it was a bad week not just
1: because it was a bad book (laughs) (laughs) excellent (laughs) thanks for joining us on this episode of sisters of the apocalypse if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media and don't forget live like there's no tomorrow thanks for listening